0: Welcome, I'm Paul Bishop, your host for this installment of Six-Gun Justice Conversations. These are bonus downloads where my co-host Richard I get to hang around the virtual podcast water cooler, talking with friends and fellow writers who are also fans of the Western genre. With me today is my longtime trail partner, Steve Mertz, acclaimed for his work in a wide variety of genres, including action-adventure, historical speculative thrillers, hard-boiled noir, dark tales of blues and jazz, and paranormal suspense. He also created the Western series Blaze, featuring J.D. and Kate Blaze, two of the deadliest gunfighters the Wild West has ever seen, who also happen to be husband and wife. His latest book, North of Tombstone, brings back J.D. and Kate and takes them in a new direction, which is connected to Monday's full-length Six-Gun Justice podcast episode, focused on Hollywood's versions of Wyatt Earp, Tombstone, and the most famous gunfight in history. Hello, my friend. Hi there, Paul. Thanks for having me in. You know, you and I go way back together into the hazy past when we first started banging on typewriter keys and telling stories, or at least in my case, stories that weren't made up to get me out of trouble. You know, (laughs) lies. I remember typewriters. Yeah. (laughs) I was a typewriter man in the day. I was delighted to get my first self-correcting typewriter, where you could go back and hit the keys over again, and the whiteout stuff would go on the page. Man, times have changed. Oh, the ribbons were half white and half black, weren't they? Yeah, that that was high tech, man. (laughs) And then they confused us by bringing in all this computer stuff. It was confusing
1: before that. Technology has been running a little bit ahead of me at every step of the game, but I'm doing my best to catch up.
0: Blaze, which was the first J.D. and Kate novel, was published in 2015. It began as a series of their adventures written by yourself and a number of other writers. But you've now brought the married gunfighters back with a new publisher and a new direction. Tell me about it.
1: We're with Wolfhack Publishing now, J.D. and Kate and myself. We had a real nice run with Russ Fedge's press, about 20 books, and some very notable writers contributed to it and received the bylines. But you know me, Paul, after a while, I just get that rabbit fever and feel like doing something a little different. So when I hooked up with Mike Bray over at Wolfpack Publishing, We decided to make a couple of really cool changes in the series because everybody seemed to love J.D. and Kate, but the, quote, adult novel, end quote, material seemed to put a little damper on the market. And so this time around, I'm writing the novels. J.D. and Kate are pretty much themselves. Kate's a little smarter, but J.D. does a heavy lifting. The first novel, as you mentioned, North of Tombstone, has been out for about two months now, and it's still lingering around the top of several bestseller lists at Amazon, so we've really been gratified by the reader response.
0: Congratulations. The first series of J.D. and Cape books was what we call a package series, right, where you laid out the outline and the characters and found other authors to write those adventures exactly. and then edited them. Exactly. I, I always
1: have envied the colleagues of mine who are able to just knock out oh, 15, 20 books a year. <laughs> but I've never been one of those guys. I've always wished I was but I've been a little slower on the production end of it. But the quality, I always try to keep up. And luckily with Blaze, some real good guys did pitch in and help keep the series on pretty much a bi-monthly schedule for quite a few years. Wolfpack has opened a really exciting, dynamic market for writers like myself who like to try different tricks and different styles, especially with the Western. They're just doing great guns, and so I was really happy to get on board that particular train or stagecoach because there are writers right now who are in the Western field who I respect a whole lot. And they're not writing the same old Western stories your dad and grandpa used to read. But on the other hand, the, the books really embody the traditional values. I'm thinking of writers like Pete Branvold and a woman named Vicky Long. The whole market and the genre itself are really opening up these days. It's a pretty exciting time for the Western novel.
0: What do you think keeps bringing people back to the Western?
1: Well, it seems to me that each of the popular genres tend to reaffirm values. With science fiction and fantasy, it's visionary. With romance, it kind of reaffirms the values of the heart and the spirit. But with the Western novel, it reaffirms the important traits and qualities that are best developed in folks who succeed. Things like endurance and tolerance and bravery and pushing the borders west, you know, getting into the frontier and seeing what you can make from it. So these are qualities in the Western genre that people turn to that at some level reinforce the the values we
0: hold. Do you think there's something to the fact that we live in quite a tumultuous world right now, and the Western offers something more solid? It's reliable. Pretty dang dangerous world. I think we could go back in
1: time and just about any time in history and in any culture and place in the world. And there'd be a whole mess of people saying, man, we're just trying to make it through to tomorrow. <laughs> you know. But as far as today and the Western novel, that's the nice thing about those particular genres like the Western and the other one I'm really fond of, the detective story and the thriller. Social order is reestablished at the end of those stories. The truth Justice, the good stuff prevails, and it's important sometimes to be reminded of those truths. And at a level of entertaining genre fiction, that's what the Western delivers.
0: A couple of years ago, I came to visit you, and we got to go walk the streets of Tombstone. And that was an absolute blast, because I got to spend some time with somebody who really knew that area, who had done some of the tours there.
1: <laughs> now we had a good time. <laughs> we behaved ourselves, and Tombstone is a town that tempts you to do otherwise. That way, it's kind of like it was back in the days of Wyatt and Doc and those fellas. But yeah, we had ourselves a real fine time, didn't we?
0: And behaved ourselves is kind of a fluid <laughs> definition, Within okay? Within context, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But Tombstone has become more than just a place. It's a point in the imagination that has captured the American psyche. What is it about that 30-second shootout that has captured the world's imagination?
1: Well, I believe it's because what has been fabricated in thousands of TV shows and books and movies the introduction in gun smoke, where the two fellows strap on their pistols and tie them down to their thighs and stand out on the street and face each other and bam, bam, bam. Well, it hardly ever happened like that throughout the history of the so called West, which we refer to, which I guess would be post Civil War into the 1890s. If you were the sort of person who wanted to eliminate someone else and that person was at all capable, you weren't going to go out in the street and give them a chance to shoot you. You're going to hide behind a bush or a rock or hire somebody to ambush him, bushwhack him, something like that. This is proven in the aftermath of the OK Corral when they were hunting each other down and Morgan and Virgil Earp got it. It was guys hiding behind water barrels, shooting through back alley doorways and things like that. So in the case of the actual OK Corral gunfight, yeah, it really did happen where (laughs) you had two very opposed camps were getting pretty rowdy, man. They were riding horses in the businesses and they were all telling Doc they were going to be waiting for him tomorrow morning, ambush him. And, you know, it it was really getting uh, pretty amped up. And so Wyatt and his brothers and Doc walked on down there and basically said, Okay, you've been wanting it? Here it is. What do you got? <laughs> and like you said, that happened in about 30 seconds. But it, it happened with these two groups of people meeting just a few feet apart with forty fours and shotguns and just hammering away. And that hardly ever happened. Of course, there's a, all manner of interpretations of what did happen. And I refer to that somewhat in the book, North of Tombstone. But to answer your question, I think that's why it really sticks in the cornerstone of the psyche, because by large measure, the so-called good guys walked away.
0: There's always a lot of controversy about what happened during that shootout. First of all, we know that it didn't take place in the OK yeah, there Corral. Is that.
1: Yeah. One thing I have to say about Tombstone that is interesting today, if you go to a lot of historic sites, say the Gettysburg Battlefield, the Old North Church, other places of note in our history, they're rarely like they were then. I mean, they're in the middle of an inner city or they're surrounded by strip malls or something. In Tombstone. Despite the exactitude of the current O.K. Corral being about 70 feet from where it should be, all you have to do is lift your eyes above the power lines and the street layout, the surrounding topography, everything is
0: pretty much just as it was in those days. It's an interesting place to visit, isn't it, Paul? It is an interesting place. And one of the things that fascinates me about all of the tombstone phenomenon is What is more important to America? The truth about what actually happened in the O.K. Corral, or is the myth more important?
1: Don't we go to John Ford and the man who shot Liberty Valance for that one? Print the legend. (laughs) Well, that's what happens eventually, isn't it? Now, I may be one of the only Western writers I know that has actually worked as a gunfighter in Tombstone. I hasten to add, it was a few years ago, and it was a show for tourists. We put on a kind of a comedy gunfight, two words you rarely hear together, except in Modern Tombstone. But the myth versus the truth, there are things about the OK Corral gunfight that have never been put into the, all of the movies and books about it. On the other hand, if you look at the essence of what happened there, you had guys who were rustling cattle, sticking up stagecoaches threatening to kill law officers when they were drunk and walking around town. And you had guys that were working for the local and territorial government who shut those boys down. The first time the Earps and Glanton interacted with each other was over in the Dragoon Mountains. These guys would rustle cattle down in Mexico and sell it to the army in Fort Huachuca. Then they'd rustle cattle from ranchers out here in Cochise County and sell the head down in Mexico. So you compare that with people moving into town and wanting to establish a sense of civilization and law and order, even though it might be wild and woolly being on the territories, not the states. But it seems a pretty clear distinction of who is on the side of progress and who is trying to stand in its way. The other thing that nobody gets quite right is that many stories and movies have been filmed about the Apache Wars here in Arizona. And equally, number of films have been made about the Tombstone situation we're talking about. What I do in north of Tombstone, which is rarely done here, is to bring to light the fact that those two situations were paralleling each other. Not long after the OK Corral gunfight, some Braves jumped the reservation at San Carlos and were riding around massacring outlying ranches, burning them and stealing the cattle, and the military had to ask civilians in Tombstone to help ride to track them down. So, you know, myth, reality, even today they're not quite sure which is which, but I've done a, my best
0: in this novel to try to merge them together in an entertaining narrative. I really thoroughly enjoyed the book, and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for being with me today. Hopefully, we'll be hearing more from J.D. and Kate in the near future. I'm
1: working on it. That's my intention as well. And it's been a real pleasure hanging with you and visiting, Paul. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the Six-Gun Justice website at www.sixgunjustice.com for information on prior Six-Gun Justice conversations. Six Gun Justice Speed listens and full length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, along with regularly updated book reviews, articles, interviews, and all things covering the Western genre. Until next time, be kind to others, be kind to yourself, and make sure your chaps don't chafe.